Thanks for joining us. This week, we'll focus on the role of the president at a Division III institution. Division III is understood to be the non-scholarship opposite of Division I, but most think of athletics there as nothing more. Yet for colleges and universities, athletes and athletics plays an important role in the success or failure of an institution and or a presidency. How do you run a successful Division III program? How does it complement campus life, enrollment, finances? How did, how did the president and the board work together to ensure the athletics program fits the goals and aspirations of the school? To answer some of those questions, I'm very happy to have Dr. Scott Flanagan, recently retired president at Edgewood College in Madison, Wisconsin. Dr. Flanagan served as president for six for five years following 16 years of service to the college in the cabinet level areas, including enrollment, athletics, advancement, marketing, strategic planning, finance, and inclusion. He was also chosen to serve as the president of the North Athletics Collegiate Conference, an NCAA Division III conference. Flanagan previously served as director of admissions, director of athletics, and assistant vice president for enrollment services at the University of St. Francis in Indiana. Today, Dr. Flanagan serves as a senior consultant with Academic Search Incorporated. Scott, we're glad to have you. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for that, uh, for that warm welcome, Karen. I really appreciate that. Well, very glad to have you because I know you're the perfect person to talk about these topics with. So let's dive right in. How do athletics fit into the larger institutional strategic plan at Division Three institutions? Yeah, and it can obviously vary from school to school, but I think there are a few categories. I think the first thing is that done right, athletics can be an important part of a student's overall educational experience. So athletics should provide opportunities for learning outside the classroom. Um, presumably that's, and often research shows that's reflected in higher than usual retention and graduation rates for student athletes, in part because of the community that the teams constituted in part, again, because of the, uh, the helpful role that athletics can play educationally. More than that, uh, it can be the front door, as many have described it, uh, to the community in many communities, especially small towns, division three athletics programs. Uh, are, are the only or a primary game in town, and it's one way for, uh, for the community to get to know athletic programs. And certainly many schools and those I've been involved in had their student athletes and their athletic programs involved in service as well, which is another way to, for the, really the, the campus community to give back. And from a more pragmatic sense, uh, student athletes at Division three schools play a really central role in enrollment and financial health. Uh, a lot of schools really count on full and stable roster sizes uh, to, to be able to count on uh, building their student body. And there's a there's a really big enrollment and financial impact of that, which is why you see so many schools uh, looking at ways to innovate and add and expand their athletic programs. So really, I think uh, the educational experience of students is a key piece. The public relations and the, the front door aspect is a key piece. And certainly the enrollment and financial piece is another way in which athletics and institutional strategic plans are often in alignment. Yeah, that makes sense. Talk a little bit about the school that's just a little bit down the road from you, the University of Wisconsin, and how different 
their division one athletics program is from your division three athletics program? Well, it's interesting because when I talk, when we, when we would talk at, at Edgewood about adding sports and, you know, people with such a, a, a prominent player, uh, literally a mile down the road, um, people would assume, well, you know, that, that, that has to be uh, a challenge financially, right? Because you, you can't get ticket sales and it's not about TV contracts or selling jerseys. And then of course it's right. The, the, the business model is so different. The scale is so different. Um, the, the, in some ways, the experience of student athletes is really different in other ways. It's not, I mean, certainly, um, division three athletes, as you know, and as most listeners will know, um, spend a lot of time on their sport, but there's a different expectation level, uh, when you start to attach scholarships to it. So the, the division one financial model is built as we know, right. It's built on ticket sales. It's built on the final four. It's built on, um, TV revenues. Division three, the financial model is almost exclusively based on, on tuition revenue. You're right. It's very different. It's important for people to understand that about division three athletics and that it's a very institutionally focused experience. And the people coming to the games are more than likely the classmates and friends as well as the parents and really nothing beyond that. Would you say that's fair? That uh, That's most of the athletic events I attended. Yeah, a lot of parents, yeah. a few friends, and some classmates. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you, as a president, work with trustees in allowing them to fulfill their fiduciary and oversight roles that they have with the institution? Yeah, you know, the fiduciary responsibilities of trustees in athletics, you know, when they interact in, in the most high-profile way, that's usually at that Division One level where there's been some institutional risk, whether it's around personnel or reputational risk or things like that. So at the Division three level, it's much more around uh, engaging in, in the schools where I worked. It would be more like, the, for example, the Student Life Committee or something like that of the board in understanding the role that athletics plays in, uh, in advancing student learning, certainly working with finance and audit or the buildings and grounds committees to understand the facilities needs, the financial implications. Um, but it, it was much more really around those, what I would consider to be nuts and bolts things at the division three level. Division three isn't immune from, um, you know, some scandals or issues of integrity, but they are not very prevalent. They're not very common. And, and that kind of risk, um, which is heightened because of, for a ton of reasons at division one really uh, isn't the kind of risk we were talking about with trustees at the Division Three, or or I dare say at the NAIA level. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned to me the other day that Edgewood uh, has recently announced that they're going to add men's and women's lacrosse. Do I have that correct? You have that correct, right, along with men's volleyball. And men's volleyball. So what impact will that have that the Board of Trustees will need to weigh in on when an institution adds sports? Well, in, in this case, it was there were certainly facilities uh, implications there. Uh, it it both required and provided the opportunity to secure resources that or um, facilities that actually should improve the quality of the student experience for other field sports uh, at Edgewood. So facilities was part, one part of it. Certainly the financial model, looking at, well, what are the upfront costs? Um, in terms of coaching, in terms of staffing levels, in terms of any uh, incremental costs 
training staff, the equipment, things like that, and how that all plays out. So really it was at, um, at those levels we talked about earlier, right? It was, it's about what's the impact on student learning? What's the, what's the financial model look like? What are the implications in terms of facilities and how can we make sure we deliver on that? Now, you were the president of your athletic conference while you were at Edgewood. And tell us a little bit about the role that the president of the athletic conference board means for not only your school, but for the schools of the conference. Yeah, it's an interesting exercise in that it helps expand the perspective, right? I mean, certainly we all wear our institutional perspectives, but in a role like that, um, in, a, in a conference with over a dozen schools, you, you then start to get a, a different perspective around things like, uh, what does membership look like? You know, what are, is the membership the right size, the right composition? Are there sports that we should consider adding to the, the conference offerings? What's the role of the conference office and the commissioner and his or her staff in translating the broad direction that comes from the presidents and the board, uh, and in most cases, I think the presidents serve as the board of these athletic conferences, um, into the reality that's experienced by student athletes, by coaches, and by athletic directors. It's an interesting sort of nexus of, of all those things. Yeah, that makes sense. Did, did that play a role in Edgewood's decision to, to add three new sports? Were they sports already being offered at the conference level? No, the, I would say it was, um, no, the, the, so the conference was moving toward automatic qualifiers actually in all of those sports, but, you know, institutions don't take action for the best interest of the conference, right? They don't act in a perfect world. They don't act, you know, contrary to the conference's best interest, right? But the, the move of Edgewood, uh, to add those sports was solely about the impact that that could have on the quality of the student experience uh, at Edgewood and the ability to, to attract uh, students who wouldn't have otherwise considered the college. St. Norbert College applied for admission and was accepted into that athletic conference. Um, the people in the conference, the, the, my colleagues at the presidential level thought St. Norbert would add things to the league, but did St. Norbert apply uh, so that it would benefit the rest of the conference? No. And I don't, you know, I'm good friends with Brian Brees, their president. No, they, he, he did that because he thought it would improve the quality of the student experience uh, for the student athletes at St. Norbert. So um, conference considerations enter in. The fact that we could have a ready-made conference, in effect, it wouldn't have to, you know, start from zero on scheduling. That factored in. But Institutions, as I said, institutions make decisions based on what's in the best interest of that institution and their student athletes. That's helpful. That's helpful. You know, you sit in Wisconsin, which not only has a fair number of Division One institutions, but also has a fair number of public Division Three institutions versus Edgewood, which is a private Division Three. Can you talk a little bit about the differences there and? what the listener might not know about competing against public institutions at the D3 level? Well, I mean, it's really challenging. And uh, I mean, I, I think, I think I'm accurate in stating that, that just about every other state university system in the country does not participate in division three. Um, I think Wisconsin and New York, as I understand it, are the exceptions to that. 
and the challenges that creates are certainly um, those in, are bigger institutions who can bring uh, pretty uh, exceptional resources to bear. The other piece that is a model of Division Three athletics, of course, and you talked about this earlier, is non-scholarship. Well, um, that's fair. I, 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 I don't uh, have any reason to believe that the Division Threes uh, in Wisconsin of any sort are, uh, you know, unfairly administering scholarship dollars. The, the challenge is that, of course, of course, the state schools have a state subsidy such that really the, the, the need for scholarship dollars sort of goes away. So uh, it, it poses an interesting challenge. Um, our coaches uh, enjoy the, the competitive challenge of, uh, of stacking up with those UW system schools, because when you know you compete at that level, you're competing with among the best in the country. Um, but on a day to day basis, you know, it, it can it can be pretty challenging uh, in terms of recruiting in particular um, to be competing against, against institutions that, that can bring a lot of resources to the table. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and the issue of a state subsidy directly impacts tuition. So uh, sometimes institutions, private institutions feel that public institutions have that as a competitive advantage starting from the recruiting process. Absolutely. I mean, it's the unseen competitive advantage. Right. I yep. mean, it's not that the cost of education at those institutions is any is substantially different. It's that that education is subsidized by taxpayer dollars, which makes perfect sense in that sort of in the interest of, uh, in this case, Wisconsin or any state. So I wouldn't argue against um, that a taxpayer subsidy is helpful. I think it plays out in athletics in a way that that um, that provides competitive challenges for uh, for private institutions, um, again, unique to the states of Wisconsin and New York, where many of the other public institutions compete at at, um, at different higher levels. So reflecting back on being present for five years, what did you see during your time about athletics that you found was an opportunity? And what did you see as a real challenge going forward? Well, I, I, I mean, I'm a sports fan, and so I always loved the chance to see teams and programs grow and develop and to see young people, you know, advance over their time, see them mature physically, see them mature in their ability to, to play different roles or to behave in pressure situations or to draw life lessons. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the point. The, the and there were other opportunities. I mean, I mentioned lacrosse and men's volleyball. I don't, I, I don't think people in the Midwest were talking about that ten years ago. Esports, and I know there will be a debate that that's not settled yet, but about whether that's actually a sport or not. All mm-hmm. I know is it's growing like crazy. Um, and um, you know, the, so those are those are opportunities. I think the challenges get to be what I feel like sometimes can just sort of be an endless spiral of, uh, of upward pressure on the resources um, necessary, even as a, as a price of entry. Um, so, I mean, I'll give an example from this is probably 10 years ago now, but I remember when uh, it was mandated that, uh, that every place had to have shock mounted shot clocks that measured tenths of a second. 
And I remember the basketball coach talking to a basketball coach who was really excited about this. Well, this is going to be awesome, whatever else. And I just said, well, that's fine. I said, here's what I've not yet heard. How does that, how does shot clocks that measure to a tenth of a second fundamentally improve the quality of the student experience? They don't, right? They're nice because, I mean, and everybody has them, and I get it. And it's good to know if you're a coach, right? Does, does one second mean it's three-tenths of a second or eight-tenths of a second? I've coached. I get that. But at the end of the day, does it really improve the quality of student learning? Does it really help us attract any more students? That's a no. Um, does, it does it improve safety of student athletes? No. So I get worried when, um, and that's just an example, but I, I get worried about, you know, really the, the costs of entry in some ways to, to colleges supporting their athletic programs. Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Um, Scott, what do you now know about athletics that you wish you had known before when you became president? I mean, you've already been heavily involved in athletics for most of your career, both as a, as a coach, you were a manager and as a fan and as somebody who had oversight responsibilities, but now as the president, what do you wish you had known when you started the job? Yeah, that it's hard to say because like you say, Karen, it's hard for me to parse out, you know, all those years working in athletics before I before I became the president. I think there there can be, and I've seen this on different campuses, um, especially even in recent weeks and months as I've transitioned into a different role, uh, a misunderstanding about about what I would argue is, is often the complementary role that athletics plays, but that can be viewed as, uh, as a competition for resources. Um, I just think there's, I think that is something that, um, that most folks may overlook, but I, I would argue that athletics should help to su sustain. And again, done right does that from from every one of the dimensions I talk about from business model to public relations to the quality of student learning now going to excess it won't but I think that's a matter of execution not a matter of whether athletics should be part of uh, of a campus experience so I, I think that recognition is one we talked earlier if, if people view division one athletics as their primary point of departure for thinking they understand division three athletics they will go through a lot of unlearning that will be needed before they can learn what the model's really about. Right, right. And which is a real value add that you brought to the position at Edgewood because you had really understood the distinctive differences between Division One and Division Three. Yeah. And, and of course, the interesting thing is that I did learn over time was, was how tightly linked those business models are just in terms of NCAA institutions. I mean, you know this because you've spent so much time in the business of college athletics, but the proportion of income that comes from the final four helps explain the NCAA's vigilance about uh, men's basketball. I mean, excuse me, it's about March Madness, not just the final four, that's part of it. But um, that is what drives the bus for not only those Division One institutions, but for sustaining the benefits of NCAA membership at every point uh, along the way. And I think one of the challenges that, that could be posed is if there comes a point where that business model no longer holds. Um, I don't, that's not a prediction, 
Um, but it is a it is a wondering that uh, you know if if things begin to erode at the top end, that is what helps sustain um, certainly the championship experience uh, for the other NCAA divisions and the other sort of non-revenue sports at the Division One schools. Absolutely, and I don't think many folks realize just what a small percentage but important percentage of funds that is out of the total NCAA revenues that come from the March Madness contract. We're looking at for, 100, for 450 schools in Division Three, about 4% of the NCAA budget covers all of your championship experiences. It's remarkable. It really is. It is. It is. Well, Scott, I can't thank you enough for taking a few minutes out of your day uh, and talking with us a little bit about your experience as a president, the Division Three philosophy, and the oversight mechanisms that exist on campus to ensure that the athletics program lives up to the strategic plan and the vision of the college or university. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, 